Welcome to Monday Morning Coffee with Inside the Firm. Each week, our hosts will be interviewing local, regional, and national business leaders to give you an inside peek into how they lead their business to success in the ever-competitive business climate. Welcome to Monday Morning Coffee. Today, I have a special guest. Her name is Jody Tatiana Charles, and she is an energetic, pragmatic, and energy, ener- engaging speaker with inside knowledge of how individuals and small businesses can establish themselves as leaders to their target audiences while achieving clear marketing objectives to meet their annual goals. Jody has been a featured, uh, featured as an expert speaker nationally and globally, including the Harvard Business School, the InnoStart Forum, Building Global Innovators, Integra Ideas 2020 Congress, Tufts University, Aspire to Lead, and much, much more. Jody, welcome to the show. Hello, hello. How are you doing? Oh my God, it's, like, it's like so nice to meet you. I love it. Yeah, good to see you too. Uh, well, why don't we just jump right in? Tell me, tell us a bit more about yourself. Tell us about who Jody is, what got you into the, into, into business and then speaking about it. Yeah. So, um, I have this very unique background and I'm sure I'm, I am looking forward to that person that has the same kind of background as I, um, so I started my career as a teacher. I was like a second and sixth grade teacher way back, way back when, um, love teaching, um, love paying my bills a lot more. It's, it's just so unfortunate that teachers do not get paid what they should. And so I decided to go back to school while I was at school, did an internship. Um, internships are by far one of the best things that any student can do to figure out what they want to do in their lifetime. Uh, one of the internships was in a radio program, uh, number one radio station in Boston. Uh, in, I was given that choice of, do you want to be the intern for the host or you want to be the intern for the producer? And I'm like, well, what's the difference? One got coffee and got the gas on the car, in the car and the other person helped produce the show. And I'm like, you know what? I'm going to go the other way of being, uh, helping the producer. It was really great to understand how you actually get a lot of individuals on the air. And it was literally with that, that moment where there was no, uh, there's no computers. I mean, it was like hours and hours on the phone with the operator trying to find that right person to get on the show from California to overseas, like um, on the Northeast. Um, when the producer unfortunately got fired, they were like, you are now the producer of the number one show in Boston. I'm like, no, no, I'm a teacher. I have no idea what you guys do. And they're like, we've been watching you all along, so you actually do know how to do the job. So I was a producer in radio for six years, then I was a producer in television for four years, and I was Mitt Romney's press secretary um, for four years. And during that entire time, it was just all about designing and understanding how to tell someone's story, how to really like really get to know their constituents or their target audience, um, and basically how to get your messages in, message across. Um, so then after uh, Mitt decided to run for president, I went to business school. While in business school, the world imploded. Ten, it was 11 years ago, the world imploded. Yep. I was labeled overqualified. I had done everything right. I had all the degrees and I couldn't get a job because I was overqualified, which had been so odd to even hear that. But the best part was during the MBA program, we had to create a fake business, our capstones. So my company became our capstones. And during that time, I had been... Like because I was a teacher, I had spent so much time teaching individuals how to do business, how to target, get your target audience, how to engage with um, your storytelling. And then people started asking me to speak and I just started speaking more and more, um, built my business from the capstone. And here we are in 2020 and then it happened all over again where less stressful for me because I saw it before. And now to be able to help so many small businesses all over the world really understand how to survive through this has been like one of my best moments. 
Beautiful. Yeah, that sounds like a in- very interesting journey. I'm so glad also that you took the uh, not getting coffee uh, position, the internship. <laughs> you were there to help. That makes I don't sense. make really good coffee. I have no idea how to make coffee. So yeah, well, well, yeah, well, you said you don't even drink it until this afternoon, right? We'd start off the conversation. Um, <laughs> so that's amazing background. One, one of your missions is to give people and businesses practical ideas. I've watched a couple of your videos and you state that quite often. And I'm a very practical person. So, um, you know, stuff that they can use for immediate results. What kind of ideas are you talking about? I start with every single person that I meet with. Like even the first meeting that I have with a client is tell me who you are as a person um, and think about your brand because you're looking at, if you're thinking about your iPhone, if you're thinking about um, whether it's a certain car, everyone knows the individual that created Like, so Ferrari, everyone knows who created Ferrari. Everyone knows about Ford. Everyone knows about Apple. Everyone knows about the Microsoft computer. There's an individual, a human being that's behind that. And so many times business owners are like, nope, I just do business. Well, that's great. But someone's coming into your store and someone's engaging with you. Someone's writing a check. Um, and so why are we not spending more time understanding that you are part of your story to build your company? So step one is your personal brand. You have to understand your personal brand. You have to own your personal brand, all the goods, the bads, and the uglies, because it's just so distracting when someone comes to you and they're like, oh, I heard something about you. Well, if you already knew about it, and if you're already like going to call upon it, then you could focus on the business part. So your personal brand is number one. Number two, know your target audience. Again, the human beings. The target audience, they know you, they've heard about you, someone has like referred you. Um, do the same thing for them. Go out of your way and make sure that I'm not hearing the, oh, my product is for everyone. It's not for everyone. You definitely will have someone buying your product, without a doubt. There's always a market for you, but it's so much easier if you're able to find the right person that wants and needs your product. And number three is your team. How many times do you see people that are like, well, actually, I'll give you the example of right now. Mm-hmm. Everyone's working from home, and guess what? A lot of the people that were being micromanaged, they're thinking about where do I go next? Where do I go next or shall I start my own company? So take that time to understand that the person that's working in your company, they should as much as you do, they should love what they do for you. And so focus on that element where, so I'm all about the human beings in your company because when the humans are happy, your products and your services will sell. Yeah, it's just going to be a reflection. I agree with you. Yeah, it's just going to follow through. Um, What are some of the common challenges that you help uh, businesses overcome when, when you start engaging with them? Oh, my favorite. I say that marketing and ego come hand in hand. The ego, okay, it's, it's a, this is the best product in the world. This is like amazing. I go, my services are beyond everyone else. Well, are you communicating? Are you having focus groups? Are you talking to individuals that can, that can help you hone in a better, stronger product? Um, hi, I have a mouse in my hand. Is this mouse the right mouse for the individuals that you're going to target with? Um, are they for students? Are they for um, elderly? Like who are, is the product so the ego is probably the killer because you know you have your pain point you know that you've developed a service or a product and you're like or a business and you're like i worked so hard on this like you've given your all you've like sacrificed so many different things and all of a sudden you forgot one element you forgot to check back with the person that had the pain point you had the pain point for someone you saw it you solved the problem but you forgot to check back with them because you're just assuming it's the best thing since sliced bread and it's better than your competitor which it probably will be but the second that your ego gets in the way, you've now distracted yourself from making sure it's the product and service or the, 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 um, the company is best for that person. Beautiful. Um, 
how do you help these businesses then overcome, you know, these different kinds of challenges? And then maybe you could talk about like, is there a best example that you've given that you've done so far in your career of, you know, it was a, maybe a problem that you weren't even expecting um, to help people solve those? I have to say that, I mean, it's, I, and this is where it comes back to my, my years of education. Um, the biggest problem that I have overall for, I mean, it's, I've been very lucky where different countries, but also different products. Um, I being marking your, your transferable skill mm -hmm. and having a transferable skill. I can bounce from life sciences to green tech to FinTech and everything that happens over and over again is just the education of the individuals that have the product. They don't know how to communicate to the end user, what to do with it, how to use it. So think about the plumber, the plumber comes to your house and you're like, I have a problem. I'm bringing in a plumber and you're like, okay, great. The plumber goes to the bathroom or the kitchen and they're like, yep, fix it. Um, here's your bill. And you're like, well, what happened? Like, what did you do? What was the problem? Don't worry about it. I fixed it. Versus the individual where, hey, you know what? Come to the bathroom. Let me, let, let me show you exactly what the problem is. Here's the problem and I'm going to fix it, but this is how we're going to prevent it. Because although I would love to come back, I can solve it for you. I'm educating you, educating you in regards of how to not have it happen again. And we're good. Too many of my companies, they do not communicate to their clients how best to use their services or their products. And so the, one of the things that I do after the personal branding, it's definitely like, how are we telling the story of how to help the client so that way they're getting the best of your use? Is it good enough for me? Is it good enough that I can actually really understand it when you walk away? So many times that you're looking at different products that are out there and you're calling, you, you, don't, know, you don't know how to use a product or the services and you call the call start center and you get robocalls, 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 or you can't on the website, you can't find the customer service. Communicate to the individuals so that way they know how to use the product. Because if you can teach them, they're gonna keep coming back. And by the way, they will become your best salesperson. So by far, that's my biggest mm. one, where let me become your best salesperson by telling my community how amazing your product and your service is. Beautiful. You want one word you touched on there was communication. I wanted to ask you, do you have any, we have, we have some very specific rules at our firm, uh, you know, with the, if get with return phone calls within 24 hours, return emails within 24 hours. If it's a Friday, it can wait till Monday, but, but we're very hard and fast so that we are giving people that kind of attention as a service-based business. Uh, what do you have any rules that you live by or preach by in regards to communication? Yeah. The, I mean, I'm with you in regards to the communication. So we, because we're a global firm and we have clients that, um, Sunday is their Monday. So Saturdays are the only days that we don't work. Um, and so we are literally, we have that call service within, um, within, uh, we give ourselves about a three hour window. Again, we're at home. We have our cell phones. Um, it doesn't take away. If it's a longer call, we will like, if we see to be the messaging where they need a in depth, then during the Monday through Friday work week, or I should say Monday through Thursday, that it hits everyone around the world. But for the most part, we try to communicate with you right now because we don't know what kind of emergency. Um, we interview our clients so wholeheartedly that they're not the, I need you every two seconds. Um, that means we go out of our way and fire you because we, fired, we have fired clients before when they're out of control. So the individuals that we work with, they're clearly understanding that they need help. They're clearly understanding of, I have time for my family, my friends. I wanna make sure that you have a clear balance. And so we wanna make sure that if you have a situation right now, we wanna, like we want to nip it right now because that's going to be, it's, it's a, a hindrance to your day and your family time, your personal life. If you're constantly like obsessing about this thing, if yeah. it's sometimes they, all they need is the, it's okay. No big deal. We'll fix this. You don't have to worry about it. Don't obsess. Um, Cause they don't know. 
and what they don't know becomes high anxiety. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So you're it, exactly, I, I think that's people, people taking that anxiety level down, right? Cause that, that that's the idea. If, you, if you're a service-based, uh, you know, business owner, uh, an attorney, an architect, um, engineer, something like that, you are obviously trying to solve somebody else's problems and they, they've hired you to solve those problems. So you need to, you need to be present in showing that you're attentive to that, but it doesn't have to be like you're saying, I think, that's where it can also help with you not cutting into your dinner because you've already addressed it before 5 p.m. It's like, hey, we'll tackle it tomorrow. But at least a touch and go. And you give them about like a three-hour a three window. They know what time you – if they're conscious of you, they know exactly what time your day is where they're not going to call at 1, 2, 3 o'clock in the morning because anything could be handled – anything could wait till the next day. But for the most part, everyone is very, very mindful of time. Um, and by the way, when you take on a client, when you work with anyone, you have to put down the gauntlet of – this is the times that you can call me. These are the times that you can email me. These are the times I'm going to respond. Um, tell them up front. Yeah. Be honest up front. And if the second you answer everything at all hours, they're going to call you every day at all hours. So just like put out the expectations up front early. Yeah. Tell, walk us through a scenario. So I'll, I'll give you one and then you can maybe give me one. The scenario that I found where, where I do that and put my foot down is I, so let's say they email me on a, on a Saturday. What I will do is I will then wait till Monday and say, hey, sorry, I didn't get your email over the weekend, but uh, I don't answer emails or respond to them over the weekend. Um, just know that moving ahead, I'm typically between 8 and 5 p.m. on Monday through Friday, something like that. But it's not, it's not, do you think that's the right approach in the sense that I'm, I'm, oh, I'm, wait, I'm oh. waiting until Monday? How do you do it? So, so, all right, so that's, all right, so it's funny that you just mentioned that one because I was going to go for the late one. The late one is the- Like late. at night? Yeah, being late is not okay. So I'll just go back to the, I'll go back to, I'll go to yours first. So in regards to the response, like I just said, put expectations up front. When people are understanding what your expectations are, they will be mindful for it, mindful of it, and they start duplicating exactly what you do. So think about when you're talking to someone, if they're talking slow, you start talking slow. If they start mm-hmm. talking fast, you start talking fast. If you put the expectation of, I need to know that these are the times that, when, when are the times that you work so that way I can reach out to you? And if it's a red flag, does that change? What does that look like? And so um, being very, very transparent with your clients is so, so useful. Being transparent with anyone that you bring on as a consultant is very helpful too, because again, we want to eliminate anxiety. For me, timeliness of being, and the timing is a good big thing. I think it's just being um, the old school individual where 15 minutes early is on time, 15 minutes early Mm. You're late, and then 15 minutes late, don't show up. I'm really, really hard fast with that one because um, you're setting yourself up for um, disappointment. You're setting yourself up for disappointment when someone is you're excited to meet a client, you've worked really hard, you've done your due diligence, and you're waiting, waiting, waiting. No email, no call, no text, no Morse code. We have so many different ways of communicating. So I think it's just like insulting because you just automatically assume that your time is more important than the time of the person that's either giving their time for mentoring, giving their time as a consultant, giving their time as an, I left my family during COVID to like literally get in my car, stay six feet away from you, but to work with you and you didn't show up on time, it's not okay. So to, being on time is really, really, really huge for me. It's a show, of, it's a, a show in, showing in the individual that you're working with a uh, form of respect. Yeah, I, I agree with you. It, what's, what's crazy is that actually there's, I don't know if you've seen, but over the last maybe two or three years, there's been some rhetoric and in the media and culture about like that we should not it's okay to not be on time I don't know if you know what I'm talking about but it's it's really silly and so I would agree I agree with you 100% like that 
that is a timeless rule that should just, we, should, we don't need to twist culture and society to where all of a sudden it's okay to be not on time. Like that's not hurting anybody. <laughs> well, um, I'd love to add to that. I would say that casual Friday has gone way too far. So when, Ooh, I, was in the, yeah. when I was in the governor's office, um, the interns would come in and colleagues would come in with flip-flops. I'm like, you are in the governor, you're in the state house mm. for the governor. What are those on your feet? They're like, go home. And I was like, oh my God, I can't believe you're making me go home. You're wearing flip-flops and shorts to the governor's office. Are you kidding me? And so that whole entire concept of even when COVID started and I was doing speeches on, on, on Zoom, where I had to stop one of my speeches at a law school and I'm like, excuse me, can you one, get out of bed and two, put on something decent? Because on Zoom, not only can I see you, your entire class can see you. This is a law school, not okay. How do you think, how do you, do you think we'll move out of this? And the two, would you think we'll move out of that? I feel like we are living in a, in a, in a version of idiocracy where, you know, that movie where you do see the people devolve and start wearing sweatpants all the time. Is there something in society that, and, and then the other thing too, that you already mentioned is that when a lot of, a lot more of us are working from home, 60% is what I've heard recently, up to 60% or at least full-time or part-time now. And there's these zoom boom towns or whatever. Is, what do you, how do you see the catalyst? Like, are we going to move back towards we are professionals that, you know, when we need to be professionals, dress-wise, on time, attire, the way we communicate? Um, I would say that will we go back to 100%? No. Um, a lot of businesses are realizing, wow, I'm saving a lot of money. I'm saving a lot of money. Where I'm not, I don't have the brick and mortar. Mm-hmm. Um, the, in my mind, I thought I had to be, I had to hover over my team and realizing my team is able to be a lot more productive because they are on their group Zooms. Um, if they do want to meet, they can actually meet at a, at a location outdoors well, as long as the weather is good wherever you are. Um, as in the whole concept of being inside that office, I think it was like the, the commuting time, uh, the how, many time, how much time are you spending in front of the coffee maker talking about Dancing with the Stars or Tiger King? Um, and how much of that time are you really working? where now we are actually working and getting a lot of things done because you have the stu- this, this, uh, your children at home, um, because there is, the daycares aren't as, I mean, they're not working the way that they should be. Yeah. Um, I'm not commuting. I'm not spending all that time commuting. So the time that you're, you're able to save, you are using the time more, effic- uh, more efficiently. And by the way, more people are working longer hours because they can actually add that time in different areas. So will it go back to the way it was? No, absolutely not. I mean, because companies are seeing that I can get more from that client. Um, uh, uh, I'm good, I can get more from, that cl- from the, my colleagues mm-hmm. uh, in the course of the day, but also I can actually grow my team on a global level. That individual that I couldn't get the visa for, for them to come into the States or wherever, I can actually have all those individuals and I don't have to worry about that cost anymore. And so that cost savings is definitely going to have a lot of companies rethinking whether or not I should actually bring that entire team back in. And that because that cost savings, I mean, hundreds and hundreds of thousands of dollars, I can do that one group where let's get my entire team on a plane and we're going to meet in Bali for two weeks. That would be a more useful. And I'm hearing that more and more where I'd rather do that with my team and we're really enjoying our time together. And I go and we're not in front of Zoom, but when we're at home in our home offices, I'd rather pay for that and pay for their lights or pay for the electricity, pay for their Wi-Fi. And still, it's like a dramatic cost savings. 
Yeah, beautiful. Well, talk to the new business owner who might be listening. You know, how, how do you recommend that new business owners or people that are speculatively thinking about making this leap? Um, to, how do they find their target audience? And then how do they engage them most effectively? So I think that this is, that's a great question because um, think about uh, 10 years ago when the world imploded, Lyft didn't exist. Um, Airbnb didn't exist. Amazon didn't exist the way that it is right now. Zoom didn't exist. And so uh, you never want to waste a good crisis. This yep. is a great crisis where everyone is home. I either got furloughed, I got fired. Um, I am I'm working from home. I don't like my job. And I think it's this time. I've always had this passion for something. So now I, there's a pain point. So number one, what is the clear pain point of what you are um, wanting to solve? So without the pain point, the story doesn't even start. So what's the pain point? Number two, is there someone out there that literally has that pain point? So you saw the pain point, you thought it's a pain point, who are you meeting to make sure, like, let's just do a survey. People always assume, oh, I'm going to talk to 10 people. Talk to 100 people on Zoom, on LinkedIn. There's so many. There are, walk out the door. Take a walk in the park and, like, randomly talk to people and ask them. I'm like, is this a pain point that you are dealing with? Once you do that, that's so like primary research and secondary research. Primary is talking to people, focus groups. Um, secondary is McKenzie, Bain, Google, universities and colleges to double check the metrics and is this really a pain point? I've, I have this pain point, I've spoken to people, they say it's a pain point, now I have the backup of realizing, okay, here it goes. And then start meeting people in that same circle. I hear this all the time. I have an idea, I don't wanna say it out loud, people will steal it. No one loves it as much as you do. You're gonna have competition. If you have competition, that's great because it shows that there's space for you in the market. Mm -hmm. You wanna make sure that's not, that there's space for you in the market. And then start like Lily, like do you need to build it? Um, what's the funding behind it? How much money are you using your money? Are you going to get funding? Are you going to get your friends and family involved in it? So those are the steps right from the start for me in regards of well, what's your pain point? Who are the other people out there that have those pain points? Are you doing the research, the primary and secondary research in regards of backing up that it needs help? And in regards of like, how are you going to fund it? You said something that really caught my eye there a little bit and I had to write it down. You said there's competition in the market. That means there's room for me. That seems counterintuitive. Unpack that, please. Yeah, um, there are so many times where, um, I mean, like I, I hear it so often where people talk about how I go, I'm the only one that's out there. Well, you're not. I mean, so think about MySpace back in the day. Mm -hmm. um, like it was in essence, but it wasn't. I mean, there's so many different layers of what, what other um, uh, crowd forming platforms that were out there. And then Facebook came out and then um, Instagram. If there's space for you, I mean, if, if you're the only one, an investor or even family and friends, they don't want to put money behind that because you're like the only one and people are risk avert. Hmm. I don't go in, I'm afraid. And maybe you might have someone that really believes in you if you, talk, if you build your, your personal brand very well and they have seen what you've done in the past in other organizations. But if you're coming in and you're like, there's no one else out there, one, automatically you didn't do your homework. And number two, I'm, I don't know if I want to invest my dollars in you. And so I want to know that there are competitors out there because everyone has a group of people that will buy and buy into your product or your services. So do your homework, find out who else is out there and then tell me how you're different. Okay. Like, Cause you saw that pain point, you saw that company, you used it and it was like clunky or it's just something that didn't go well. Yeah. You created a place for you in that market space. So competition is a good thing. I mean, I've always, I mean, I'm a free market guy anyway. So like the free market is the best. 
um, is, is the best kind of um, environment to, to just sort out the bad ideas and get the good ideas and they'll rise to the top in, in theory, right? If it's a truly free market. Oh, absolutely, but, absolutely. But that, thing, that thought process, I don't know if you ever, if anybody's ever pinged you about that, but that is just it, what you just said, that initial like there's competition that therefore, therefore there's room to me. I've never heard anybody phrase it like that before. So I just, for me, this is something that everybody should be listening to. Should, it should be highlighted. You know, I, I think that I spend so much time on, I mean, I, I'm behind the scenes with the, a lot of these companies. And so I'm working on this and think about when you're at a conference and someone's raising their hands and asking questions, they ask the surface questions. No one wants to admit that they have financial problems, marketing problems. Yeah. You don't want to admit that. And so when you are behind the scenes and you're having these discussions, and they're like, oh my God, they're up in arms. They're like, no, no, no. And, and then Saturday morning, I had a, con- a conversation with a, uh, with a business and they were like so into their story. I'm like, that's great. You're telling me the story, but what's the business? What's the business? And then when he said the business, I'm like, you have this competition, this competition. Like, We're the only one. I'm like, I just named off 10. Interesting. Really, not even Googling. I named off 10 of your competitors, which is great because there's clearly a spot for you. Yeah. Excellent. Uh, I'm piggybacking on the, the question I asked previous to this. Um, once people find their targeted audience and, and they figure it out, um, what do you think, what are, you, what are your top three media outreach strategies that you're, that you're recommending currently? Media, when you're asking media um, strategies, what are you talking about in regards of engaging with a real TV? Like what I mean, what? Engaging, you- I would say, how about this? I'm a, if I'm a, a brand new small business owner or maybe even an existing one and I, and I'm having trouble and I need to, I need to, I need to solve the, I need to solve my problem, my marketing problem. What, what are the, what are the top three media strategies that are, is it still definitely number one, social media? Then are you going to print, you know, are you still doing old school print mailers? What are you recommending in this literally at 2020 when we're still in this pandemic? So um, your channels are large. They're just large. So um, let's just start before we even talk about the channels, making sure that your story is clear, making sure what you, what you're, providing is useful to the, your target audience. Um, number two, the, the, and so that's, that's without a doubt. The main thing is where is your audience? To know your audience is one thing. Where are they? Are they reading traditional papers? Are they reading local papers? Are they on the radio? Are they more on podcasts? Are they on Instagram, Facebook, um, Twitter? Where are they? Because I, so I had a, guy, a doctor that was um, at Mass General Hospital he had been creating tons of white papers. He realized it's my time to start speaking. I'm getting older. I'm not going to be performing um, surgeries at that much. I want to make sure that I'm able to um, find that next level of the next new me. And so he wanted to do a lot more speaking. He was going to get a book out there. And I'm like, he's like, Jody, should I be on Twitter? I'm like, is that where your audience is going to be? He's like, he's, I'm like, are, are, are doctors on Twitter? Are the people that are talking about brain disease, are they on Twitter? He's like, no, they don't like, why? He goes, well, everyone's on Twitter. I'm like, not everyone. Yeah. Your people aren't on Twitter, so you shouldn't be on Twitter. So focus on where your people are. So the biggest thing for me is know where your audience is and know how to engage with them in that forum. So if you are a small business that is in a local place where you um, sponsor baseball games, you're not going to be on any of these other forums because mommies aren't on those forums. We'll the dads that are in the, we'll the daddies aren't on those forums. You want to be in the local paper. You want to sponsor that baseball team. You want to have your name in different places. Whenever there's like a, a holiday event, you want to give that gift certificate because your name is now being passed around in that local area because you don't want to be in the next town. You don't want to be on a national level. You want to be in your community. So find ways in your community to be engaged. So that's like a, like a smaller um, 
smaller level, whether it's a law firm, whether it's like a, a dress shop, doesn't matter. Stay local. If you are a tech company, you want to be on Reddit. So um, Reddit has rules. So you're not just like pitching anything, but you're being engaged with individuals. You want to make sure you're finding platforms where you can be engaged. Um, if you want to like actually get the attention of a reporter, one of the biggest things for me that I loved were they stalked me. So stalking in a very polite, professional, non-scary way, meaning that you know what my show is about. You know what, what, what kind of commercials we would put on. You know what kind of guests we would have. And then you actually inject yourself in the conversation. If I'm print, get involved in reading all my articles and then putting a comment. No, never ever be um, on the list of after 10. So if you're gonna put a comment, take your time, articulate something at a high level, be the first top 10. After that is just noise. If you're at a conference, after a speaker, you're not gonna be able to meet 5,000 people in a room, raise your hands, get up there first, be the first five people when a keynote speaker is speaking. Everyone will now know who you are. You wanna find ways to make yourself visible, okay? To your audience in the air, in the arenas that you would be in anyway. If you're, uh, if you're following a certain reporter on the New York Times, that specific reporter, you know that reporter, you know their writing, you know their style, start engaging with them. Because when you show yourself as an expert, they start coming to you and saying, hey, I just noticed that you, like Lance, I just noticed that you were doing great things. I go, and I, I remember your comments. I noticed that you're a specialist. Can I have you on our program? Or can I use you as a resource? So it's not just that I'm trying to push out my content for my yeah. product. Become a resource to the individual that can actually like, share your story. Yeah, exactly. Because then they become your salesman, right? That's Absolutely. the idea. Um, very cool. Jody. this has been fantastic. You are a wealth of knowledge. I could probably tee you up for another half hour, but I, but you know, we all have, we, I know we have very busy schedules. So one, one last question I'd like to ask everybody is, uh, knowing what you know now, and if you could go back in time to when you first started your speaking, speaking in an in, in advising career, um, what is one piece of advice that you would give yourself? Oh my God. And this is like, this is the easiest one. I wouldn't change one darn thing because too many times people want to change who they were, but you wouldn't be who you are now if you didn't have all those lessons and all those pain points. So I wouldn't change anything because being a first generation born in America, um, learning how to speak English when I was eight years old, working, all the, working in all the different industries and traveling around the world and living in other countries, I could never be who I am and to be able to help all the people that I do if I changed anything about who I was. Beautiful. I love it. Where can people find and follow you if they want to hear more? Uh, you can follow me on Instagram. You can follow me on Facebook, but more so just like check out what we do on our website. So it's www.lcgbrands.com. Beautiful. Thanks so much. You have a great day. Thank you so very much. You as well.